0: First of all, I'd like to thank the elders for having the trust to let me be up here today. Uh, I know we're missing quite a few people today. There's some illness going on and some traveling and Mother's Day and you know, trying to, you know, they, most of them reassured me they weren't leaving or weren't going to be here because I was up here today. So <laughs> so it's, it's just a blessing to be up here. So when I was thinking about what I would speak on, it was pretty easy for me to to decide on that, just based on uh, some things um, in my life that I've heard when speaking to other people, some believers, some unbelievers. Most of us as believers, we've heard at one time or not or or, or another that well, that's just your interpretation of something in the Word. Or speaking to other you know, parents through school at our kids' school that attend different churches and stuff and trying to have a discussion with them and be told that, well, you have a spirit of religion when you're trying to share something from the word. And I've even been told to stay in my own Jesus lane, which made me think, well, how many lanes are there to Jesus? You know, there's this popular universal belief out there that there's many ways to heaven. You know, um, Oprah, for one, she'll claim to be a Christian, yet she, she'll flat out say that, well, there's many paths to heaven. And to me, you know, John 14:6 makes it pretty clear. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I'm always perplexed when believers even will say that, well, there's, there's other ways to get there. So that's kind of the the inspiration today for me to speak on The Narrow Way, chapter 7 of Matthew, verses 13 and 14. Let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for our mothers, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity to share your word. We just ask that you lead me. Guide me that my words are clear, that hearts are opened, and that your word is proclaimed. So we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So I'm going to kind of break this down in, in groups of twos and kind of look at it as there's two gates, two ways, two groups of people, and ultimately there's two destinations. So a little bit of context before we start here, this is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, starting on chapter 5. And Jesus obviously is, his disciples are gathered around him, so you can say that you know, he's, he's talking, teaching to the disciples and through him to the church as well. Religious leaders of the time, um, followers of Judaism at the time, and there's probably even some, you know, scoffers, unbelievers in the group as well, wondering, you know, what's the draw of this man? And read in the chapter 5 beginning, the Beatitudes. The, the Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He speaks of salt and light. As believers, were to be lights in the world. We're not supposed to hide our light. He speaks of the law how he came to fulfill the law. It speaks of anger you have heard it said it was you have heard it said to the days of old you should not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment he talks about lust you have heard it said you should not commit adultery but I say to everyone that looks at a woman with lustful intent, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He speaks of both. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. He speaks of retaliation. And turning the other cheek. He speaks of loving your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. He talks about giving and how to give. He speaks of prayer and fasting, and treasures in heaven that, Ross, or that robbers and, and moths cannot destroy. talks about anxiousness, do not be anxious. talks about judging, careful when judging others. And this is all leading up to chapter 7, the remainder of the, of the sermon. He's, he's starting to wrap up and starting to put some application to what he was just talking about. Everything he was explaining, how to live a life that is dedicated and pleasing to God, free from hypocrisy, full of love and grace, wisdom and discernment. So we'll come to our first of our two twos, the two gates. Verse 13a, enter by the narrow gate. Narrow, and forgive me on some of these Greek words if I... (laughs) Let's <laughs> pronounce them. Um, Stenos in the Greek, it's used three times, and it means narrow or straight. And some Bible versions will actually say the straight gate. But narrow is hard to fit through. Conversion and regeneration by that gate It's the way you enter. We should begin a life of faith, seriously godliness, out of a state of sin into a state of grace. You must pass through that narrow gate. Recall what Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 3. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Again in verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus is the only true gate. And it's the only gate which one is saved. John 14, 6. Again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. First Timothy 2.5 For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Acts 4.12 And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. In John ten nine, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. In contrast that to the wide gate, verse thirteen B for the gate is wide and the way is easy, that leads to destruction. This wide gate you could say is the way of the world. You know, the mantra of many gates, many paths lead to heaven, is leading nowhere, leading any, is not leading anyone anywhere except eternal destruction. And you can make a pretty long list of different religious beliefs, thoughts, teachings that fit through this gate. The idea that many pass to God and this philosophy has become popular under the guise of tolerance. This doctrine claims that since God is love, he will accept all religious effort. Such relativism flies in the face of the entire Bible and effectively eliminates the need for the Son of God to take on flesh and be crucified for us. You see faiths that claim that works are the way. You have to do certain things to earn your salvation, get yourself into heaven. But reading Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Many of the false religions, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, you know, multiple of isms out there and other church or Christian denominations as well that teach a prosperity gospel or, or, or prove or, or stress that you have to have sign gifts, gifts of tongues or prophecy to prove that your salvation is valid. And this goes against scripture, Romans ten nine, First 1 Corinthians 12.30. Now can the Lord save people out of those movements? Absolutely. But you have to wonder sometimes if people truly believe the word and truly repented and put their faith in Christ, they're not going to stay in those religious institutions for any length of time. So this gets us to the two paths. And a lot of these coincide with each other, the gates, the paths, etc. So we'll start with the wide way verse 13b, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Take a look around the world, your community, look around your city, your friends, your acquaintances. What path would you say most of them are on? What path would you say the world is following? It's a broad, spacious room, no accountability, not answering to anyone. And people got to understand that as believers, we should understand this. that we come into the world sinful, we're born that way. If, if someone tells you, I've been a Christian all my life, you need, you need to kind of go, really? Because we're, we're born fallen. Psalm 58.3, the wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. Isaiah 53.6, all are like sheep, have gone astray. Psalms 14, 1 to 3, the fool says in his heart, there is no God, they are corrupt, they do abominable deeds, there is none who does good. And of course, Romans 3, and 12, no one understands, no one seeks God, all have turned aside, together they have become worthless, no one does good, not even one. The broad road is a path of autonomy, people say they don't need God, they can do it on their own. Psalms 2.3, they do what's right in their own eyes. It's a way of self-gratification. They put themselves before anyone or anything else. This life's full of distraction. Keep one's mind from what should concern them, focus on matters that, you know, they're focused on matters that don't really matter as far as eternity goes. To quote Paul Washer, we live in a culture of men with ferocious appetites for all that is carnal and vain. They are described in Scripture as those whose God is their belly and whose glory is their shame, who let their mind, who set their mind on earthly things. They have traded the eternal for the temporal, heaven for earth, God for self. They walk the broad road and they spend their money for what is not bread and their wages for what does not satisfy. Contrast that to the narrow way. Verse 14a, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. You must seek this road diligently. And again, this ties into the narrow gate. No one stumbles in by accident. You don't just fall into this gate and fall into the narrow way and wonder how you got there. You have to make a commitment to follow the Lord. Jeremiah 29:13: you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And you even see this decision being, you know, Moses saying this to the Israelites back in Deuteronomy in chapter 30, giving them this choice to do good, do evil. Deuteronomy chapter 30, starting at verse 11. For this commandment that I have commanded you today is not too hard for you, neither is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart, so that you can do it. See, I, set, I have set before you today life and life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, that I command you today by loving your God, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life, that you may have, that you and your offspring may live, loving your God, obeying His voice, and holding fast to Him, for He is your life, the length of the days that you dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers. Moses there is making it clear to the israelites of that day you have a choice to make follow the lord your god follow other gods and perish so stick excuse me being on that narrow way and coming through that narrow gate jesus makes this pretty clear early in his ministry in mark 1 14 to 15 now after john was arrested Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That's the way through that narrow gate. That's the way to get on that narrow path. And you see a parallel in in Luke chapter 13, 23 and 24. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are few be saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. The Greek word that's used there is where we get our word agonize. It takes a conscious, purposeful, intense effort, effort. Strive to do something with great intensity, to make every effort, to do everything possible, to strain oneself to it. A narrow way must be lived purposely. It's a lifestyle change, a change of your heart. Your now focus should be on the things of the Lord and not the things of the world. And this way could also be a way marked by hardship and persecution. You think back to the disciples in the early church and early believers, that they were, how they were per- persecuted to the point of death, and we still see that in the world today. Many parts of the world, believing Christians are, are put to death for their faith. The way is hard, and the, the Greek term there for hard and to cause someone to suffer trouble or hardship. Matthew five, Matthew five, chapter ten, and, or verse ten and twelve. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Second Timothy three twelve. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. Now, we live, you know, in the, in the United States. We, you know, we don't face the persecution that many of the world does, but we, we've seen it. We've seen glimpses of it. We, we've seen pastors taken to court uh, in Canada during the. The start of the COVID, you saw pastors arrested, churches shut down. You may have lost friends because they don't want to be around you anymore because they consider you narrow-minded. You know, you're on the narrow way. So you're considered narrow-minded or you don't participate in the things that maybe you once did with them, things of the world. So we see these glimpses of persecution, but if our faith is in the Lord and We endure through that. Staying on this path takes endurance. This is one of the evidences for your salvation, that you don't get sucked into the world. I mean, the world and this group of people are all around us, pulling on us all the time. Which just leads me to the two groups. And we'll start with the group of the many. 13b, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter are many. Who are these many? Those that deny God, atheists. Those who are involved in false religion and belief systems. Again, Jesus makes it clear in the book of John, he is the way, the truth, and the life. John MacArthur puts it this way. Those who go in through the wide gate and travel the way that is broad toward the destruct- destination of destruction are many. These many will include pagans and nominal Christians, atheists and religionists, theists and humanists, Jews and Gentiles, every person from whatever age, background and persuasion and circumstance who who have not come to the saving obedience of Jesus Christ. And one of the saddest things to me, besides the group that are lost out there that we should be prepared to share at every opportunity, are those that are profess to be Christians but there's no evidence of that in their life. And that you see that being you know they said a prayer one time at a church sinners prayer if you will which you'll find nowhere in the Bible. Jesus says repent Put your faith in me. He doesn't say, say this little prayer and you'll be good. You're saved. You're in heaven now. And you'll see that over and over where churches will, at the end of a service, present now, if you feel a tug on your heart, feel the spirit moving within you, say this prayer and you will be saved. And based on that, people think, oh, well, I want to be saved. I want to live forever. But there's no change. There's no change in their lifestyle. These churches, you know, are, are giving this false hope to many people out there. And, and that's just leading them to destruction. Again, it doesn't mean people can, are not or cannot be saved through that, but they have to realize as well that there's repentance that goes with that, there's a change of heart, there's a way that you should live now that you're following Christ versus following the world. Compare that to the narrow gate. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. And you may ask, why, why does it say there's few that find it? True faith produces a change of heart, change of thinking, change of priorities, change of life. Romans 12, 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We're surrounded by the many. If you're a believer, it, it could be in your workplace, be in the some groups of people you run with could be in your own families we're, we're surrounded by those that follow the world we're you know we have our own flesh we have the devil as well that are, that is pulling on us trying to pull us off this narrow way and, and there's many out there that will will hate you for that and it's you know it's they don't necessarily like that you have this lifestyle that you have such faith and Dedication towards. Again, Matthew ten twenty two. You will be hated by all for my namesake. John three nineteen. And this is the judgment. Light has come into the world. People love darkness rather than light because their works are evil. This is why it's hard to stay focused, to stay in the Word, to stay and live this godly life. Luke twelve thirty-one and thirty-two. Jesus speaking here about, you know, anxious. Why are you anxious about what you wear, or what you will eat? Instead, seek the kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And you may hear, well, that's a narrow road, that doesn't seem fair. Well, I like how John MacArthur answers that. Believers are not few in number because the gate is too narrow or too small to accommodate more. There is no limit to the number who could go through the gate if they go through in God's way in repentance for their sins and in the trust in Jesus Christ to save them. Again, it's a a life of sacrifice, life of perseverance, endurance. It's again just, you know, some some of this stuff seems like I'm repeating, but it's true. You see what, early believers in the church have gone through and, and, and around the world for their belief. And it's a. And it's, you have to endure through this. Matthew 24, 24, 13 But the one who endures to the end will be saved. Matthew five, forty-four. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 10, 21, 22 Brother will deliver brother over to death, father his child, and children raised against their parents, and have Them put to death, and you will be hated all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. First Peter 220. For what credit is it if you sin and are beaten for it? You endure. But if but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. So where does this lead? There's two destinations. It's either or. It's either eternal life or eternal damnation. You can't go through the narrow gate and travel the broad road with the many and expect to find yourself in eternal life. It's a narrow gate. It's a narrow way. The wide, the wide gate obviously leads to death. And who are those on that? It? It's the many. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to death. Destruction. It's a destruction. It's a destruction of all religions except the way of Jesus Christ. And it's a destiny of perdition, hell, and everlasting torment. Matthew 3.12, His willowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat to the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Matthew 18.8, And if by your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away, for it is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands and two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. 2 Thessalonians 7. I need a drink. <clears> 2 <throat> Thessalonians 1.9 They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord, away from the glory of his might. In Psalm 1.6 For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The narrow gate, narrow way, leads to life. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, everlasting life. This is a reward for those who enter through the narrow gate and stay on the narrow way. Again, Paul Washer, at the end of days, the believer finds himself on the narrow path more holy, more broken, and with a greater appreciation of Christ and a lesser trust in self than when he first began. And again, Matthew 10:22, "You will be hated, all for my name'sake, but the one who endures will be saved." 1 Corinthians 10:13, "No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful; he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation he will also provide a way of escape, so that you will be, again will be able to endure it." Second Timothy 2:12, "If we endure, we also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us." First Peter, 2:19, "For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly." In John 3:14 to16. And as the son, and, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So, where are you on that path? Test yourself. Are you following the crowd on the broad road? Was someone able to identify something different about you as a a Christian? Does your social media portray something different to the world out there? The way you speak, the way you carry yourself, the way you act day to day. Do people notice something something different about you the way you carry yourself apart from the rest of the world? Are you in the Word daily? Are you praying? Test yourself. to Galatians 5. chapter 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and other things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. First John is always a good one to, to read if, if you're wondering, if you're following Christ the way you should be. Chapter 1, verse 6, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we we say we have sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. As believers, we're going to sin. We're sinners by nature, but we recognize when we sin, we immediately go before the Lord, ask for forgiveness, repent of our sins. Chapter 2, verses 3 through 6 in 1 John. And by this we know Chapter 3, starting at verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning, and no one keeps on sinning has either seen him or know him. Little children, let no one be deceived. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteousness. nor is the one who does not love his brother. And one more in First John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever it loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son in the world, so that we might live through Him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be our propitiation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So test yourself. I myself find myself having to test myself from time to time. You know, at work, I work from home, which is good, but I deal with people. And a lot of these people are worldly, and you hear everything. And there are times, you know, I could get upset about things, but I have to remember that as a Christian, I'm working for God and not for man. So I try to let that reflect in everything that I do. And if there's any here that you have not walked through that narrow gate, you're not on that narrow gate, narrow way, it's not too late. There are two paths. One leads to everlasting life, one to eternal punishment. Again, back in Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent, realize you're a sinner. Put your faith in the Jesus of the scriptures, not some other Jesus, Jesus of the scriptures. Put your faith in Jesus born of a virgin. Put your faith in Jesus, the one who suffered, bled, and died a horrible death on that cross bearing the sins of the world. Put your faith in Jesus, the one who was risen from the grave on the third day, sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's the hope we have as believers, hope in eternal life. Repent, put your faith in Jesus, and you will be saved. Finish up here with a quote from Thomas Reed on the blessedness of the new heart. O divine Redeemer, out of whose inexhaustible fullness... I would daily draw a rich supply of grace into my needy soul. Be pleased to impart unto me an undivided heart, that to please you may be my greatest happiness and to promote your glory my highest honor. Preserve me from false motives, from a double mind and a divided heart. Keep me entirely to yourself and enable me to crucify every lust which would tempt my heart from you. Enable me by your grace to walk in one uniform path Holy, childlike obedience. And when tempted to turn aside to the right hand or to the left, may I keep steadily your way until when brought before your throne, I see your face, behold your smile. Fall at your feet, lost in wonder, love and praise. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for again for mothers and Mother's Day, Lord. Just thank you for this time and, and your word, and, and pray as we go from here, and day in and day out. It's not just on Sundays that we live for you and, and we shine for you, and that we're on that narrow path. We may be shunned, persecuted, made fun of, said to be narrow-minded. That's fine, but. Being on that narrow way leads us to everlasting life. So again, Father, thank you for this day and this opportunity. Give all the praise to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen.